Hello, everyone. I want to welcome you to our worship service today. I'm so glad you're with us. We are starting a new series for a new year entitled Life Change Challenge. And if you received a bulletin on your way in today, inside that bulletin, you'll find an outline uh, with our first challenge. During the month of January of 2014, I'm going to give you four challenges that will change your life. That's why we called it Life Change Challenge. Anyway, uh, the first challenge is this, that spending time with God will change my life and change my life for the better in amazing ways. That's our conjecture. I hope it's yours for 2014. I don't know anybody who set out at, uh, on December 31st here a few days ago and said, I hope 2014 stinks. I hope I go downhill. I hope I peaked last summer and everything else is just playing out in pure tedium and mediocrity. I don't know anybody who said that. And if you said, no, I want 2014 to be better than 2013, I want this to be the best year of my life, I want to find purpose and meaning and direction in my life, I want to know I made the best use of my time possible, the best use of my resources, that I was doing the right thing at the right time in the right way, well, then I've got four challenges for you that will help us achieve that. I hope you're excited about that. I hope that's something you're looking for, and um, because that's where we're headed, and I'd like for us to head there together. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just pray that you will bless us, that 2014 will be the best year of our lives. Father, that uh, today, as we're just beginning a new year, Lord, you'd lift our eyes up toward the things you want us to be doing and how you want them to do them. And Lord, I pray that you'll challenge us today. I pray that you'll speak, you'll move me out of the way and show us some things about how important it is to maintain a close, vibrant, personal relationship with you. I pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks, just please raise your hand. One of the ushers will be coming up and down the aisles, bring one to you. I want to welcome the folks who are worshiping with us, not washing, worshiping with us uh, via video at our Cloverdale location. We're glad you're along uh, for the ride as well. Uh, If you and I are going to have the best year possible in 2014, I want to commend to you that the first challenge is the most important one. That's why we're starting with it that we need a relationship with God. This whole series is not a self-help type of uh, series. In fact, it's a God-help series. I can't make my life better on my own. If I could have, I probably would have. But if I'm going to have an abundant life, a rich life, and a full life, I'm going to need God's help, and that's only going to come with a personal relationship. So point one on your outline says that a personal relationship with God is life-changing. One of our big slogans at Centerpoint is it's all about relationships, relationships with God, a right relationship with God, and a right relationship with others. And it always starts with God because he's the one who made us. Here's what Jesus said, by the way, about all this. In Matthew 11, from the Message Translation, are you, are you tired? Are you worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll live, learn to live freely and lightly. Man, I want that for 2014. I want to live freely and lightly. I don't want to carry burdens that I was never designed to carry. I don't want to take false guilt. I don't want to take false responsibilities. I do want to take responsibility for the things I need to. I want to worry about the things or be concerned about the things I should be concerned about, but no more. I want my life to be characterized by joy and happiness and real rest. And Jesus said, if you come to me, you'll find all those things. I made you. I love you. I'll guide you along the best pathway for your life. Listen to what else Jesus said. He said, I came so they, that means you and me, he's speaking to people just like you and me here. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. 
If you would like to have a better life than you ever dreamed of this year, would you raise your hand? I would like to have a better life than I ever dreamed of. Now, again, that can't be self-help if I can't even dream of it. This has to be God help. And God says, I want to help you do that. Jesus said, come to me. If you're weary, if you're tired and worn out, come to me. I'll give you peace. I'll give you rest. I'll give you a better life than you ever dreamed of. So then why would I want to go through life on my own? That's the big question. John 1.12, John, one of Jesus' disciples, said, To all who believed him, that's Jesus, and accepted him, he gave, the right, gave them the right to become the children of God. God loves us. He sent his son into the world to rescue us from sin, to show us how to live life and to give us eternal life after we die. And that's why the note in your, important, in your outline is so important. You and I will never, and please write this in all caps, never, so it comes across like, never. You and I will never find true meaning and satisfaction in life apart from a relationship with God. I'll never do it. You won't either. Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, wanted to try that out. Wanted to run it up the flagpole and see how far he could get on his own. God had given him supernatural wisdom. He had prayed for it. God had given it to him. He understood things about nature. He understood things about money. He understood things about power. Understood things about life and about getting things done that nobody else had ever put together before. And he wanted to see how far he could get in this and how much satisfaction that would bring him. So here's what he, here's what he did. Ecclesiastes 2. I collected great sums of silver and gold, the treasure of many kings and, and many provinces. I hired wonderful singers, both men and women. I had many beautiful concubines. The Bible tells us elsewhere that Solomon had 300 wives, wives and 700 concubines. And it's beautiful women, many lovers. I had everything that a man could desire. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything that I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. It was like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. And so Solomon said, look, I, I tried it out. If you think hard work... We'll get things done. I mean, if you keep reading in Ecclesiastes, Solomon said he built parks and he irrigated farms and planted orchards and built up cities. And then after he built them all, he realized now I have to maintain them. And he said not only that, but as he looked in the mirror and he saw himself aging, he said, one of these days I'm going to leave it to my son and who knows whether he'll keep going on this or he'll bring it all to ruin. So why did I work so hard? He ate all these fine meals, but as he got older, he said, I can't even taste it anymore. So life is meaningless if I just try to find things on my own. What's great is at the end of that book of Ecclesiastes, he says, I'll tell you one thing I learned, though. Having a right relationship with God, that's the only thing that truly satisfies. Because God is eternal. We're not. God knows what life is about. We don't. And God will direct us along the best pathway for our lives if we will follow him. In his book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey challenges his readers. He says, what if you climb the ladder of success and reach the top only to find out the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall? That's why we need a relationship with God. He knows what wall to put the ladder against. And he says, if you, if you come to me and you have a relationship with me, I'll guide you. Come to me. And that brings us to point two. Well, how do we do that? Okay, John, that's fine. 
You're telling me that if I have a relationship with God and I spend time with him, my life will change. Well, how do I do that? I mean, how do I talk to God? How do I know him? Well, point two tells us that God has equipped us with a special gift. The Bible is God's primary way of communicating to us who he is and his plans for us so that we can have a personal relationship with him. If I want a personal relationship with him, if I want to know God's thoughts and his plans, if I want to know who he is, the Bible's how I do it. Here's why. 2 Timothy 3.16, Paul explains that all scripture, meaning the Bible, is inspired by God. And please circle the word inspired. I'll come back to that. All scripture is inspired by God and it's useful to teach us what's true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. To be inspired means to be God-breathed. God's breath is on the words of these pages. So they are living and active. When I read his word, he breathes life into me. He breathes truth into me. He breathes conviction into me about things I need to change and things I need to do more of. He'll do that for you, too, if you and I will just meet with him and spend time in his word. The writer of Hebrews said pretty much the same thing. Look, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. And so as I'm reading this, all of a sudden I can realize I could be reading a story from the Old Testament or a prophecy from the New Testament. I could be reading one of the poems of Psalms or one of the parables of Jesus, and it won't matter. What will matter is that God will have something to say to me. And as I read that, I'll go, oh, I'm not thinking rightly about something. All of a sudden, in the middle of my devotional time, there'll be an insight, a flash that'll come on the screen of my mind. It's like, John, you need to apologize. John, you, you need to change the way you think about this. When he wrote the Romans, Paul talked about this. He said, look, don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And please underline that, changing the way you think. That's when we talk about changing your life, you and I will become new people because God will change the way we think when we spend time in his word. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So if I spend time in God's word, he'll speak to me. He'll give me insights I never would have had on my own. He'll convince me of things that I need to be convinced of. He'll warn me about things I need to stay away from. Let me give you a couple of for instances how it applies to me in ministry. It wasn't that long ago, I took some site pastors that were training for ministry, training in ministry. I was taking them on a hospital visit. A couple guys with me said, well, I'm going to go. Somebody was in the emergency room and I'm going to go visit them. Please come with me. So we went and visited in the hospital room. We listened to the, the woman who had, she'd gone through some, an injury that day and was going to have emergency surgery. And she was really concerned. And I said, well, I have a scripture I'd like to read you. And I read it to her and she goes, well, that's perfect. And we prayed. And after that, we walked out to the car and we we're driving back to the church office. And the guys with me said, I mean, do you just have the whole Bible cross-index that you know where to go? And I said, no, I read that this morning. And they went, wait, so you're telling me that you're reading this book, parts of it are thousands and thousands of years old, and you're reading this book, and that day you would happen to read a passage that would be perfect to quote to a, a woman in an emergency room, and you didn't even know she was going to be in the emergency room at the time you read it. I went, yeah. Seriously. I went, seriously. God called me into ministry. God will equip me for ministry. I shared another example with him. I'll share it with you now. 
few years ago, I was driving through Montgomery. A friend of mine called me on my cell phone and said, John, my dad passed away and in the last hour or so, and I'd really like to spend some time with you and talk with you about it. I went, great. I wasn't far from his house. I said, I'll be at your house in a few minutes. Pulled up to his house and walked in the front door. He said, thanks for coming over. We walked around the corner of the living room. He had about 18 or 19 of his family members there. He goes, everyone, this is John. He's our pastor, and he has something to say, with, say to us. And so would you please sit down? He goes, John. I mean, he left that part out. So I went, let me show you something that God shared with me in my Bible reading. And it was either that morning or the day before, but it was something uh, that I felt would be terribly appropriate. And I shared with them those, a few insights about dealing with grief and worry and pain. And um, uh, we prayed together, and I met with him for a while. I walked out. This friend of mine goes, John, that was perfect. Thank you. I went and got in my car, and I went, Lord, that was perfect. Thank you. <laughs> hey, how would you know what to say? Well, wouldn't it be great if God could drip into my mind insight right before a big fear? So it's passages that would tell me about, hey, he's stronger than my fears, so I don't have to worry or be afraid. Wouldn't it be great if I could meet with the eternal God of the universe, and right before I needed it, maybe a week, maybe a month, maybe a year, or maybe an hour before I needed something, I could find exactly the right words to say. Exactly the right way to think about something. So that even if everybody else around me was freaking out, I'd be able to have peace, and I'd be able to have direction. I'd be able to go, "Mm mm-mm, I don't think you're thinking rightly about that. Here's the way I think about it. Wow. Where did you get that? The Lord revealed that to me through his word. Now, if that sounds unbelievable to you, it's not. If it sounds like, well, that only happens to people who have seminary degrees, it's not true. It's available for you. It's available for me. It's available for all of us, any of us, if we will just come to him. In fact, I don't want you to just take my word for it. I'd love for you uh, to hear uh, the testimony of a man, a member of our church. His name is Dudley Gordon. And um, this is what he experienced when he took on the challenge of reading God's word. Would you watch the screens, please? Hey, my name is Dudley Gordon. I was 21 years old when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior. And from that day forward, my life was never the same. I read my Bible every day. I went to church every Sunday. I think I even went every Wednesday. But through the course of life, I found myself becoming, for lack of a better word, lazy. And I quit going to church every Sunday and I quit reading the Bible. I noticed that the relationship I had with God the gap was getting further and further and further and further apart. I still had a relationship with God. It just wasn't a good one. And that was all my fault because I wasn't doing what I needed to do. The irony of the whole thing is that I had friends, I had family that would come to me for counsel. And I always told them two things. Number one, you need to get involved with your church. And number two, and probably the most important thing is you need to read your Bible and pray every day. What's funny is the only time I took my Bible anywhere was when I went to church. About a year and a half ago, I took an inventory of my life and I realized I could be a better husband, I could be a better father, I could be a better coworker. But the truth of it was, I was just living a mediocre Christian life. We got up to go to church one Sunday morning and it just so happened that John was talking about reading your Bible every day. Now this is something that I'd already been preaching to my friends. Read your Bible every day, read your Bible every day. It'll transform your life but I still hadn't done it up to that point. 
And John challenged us that day and he said, I'm telling you, your life will change. Even if it's good now, it's gonna change if you read your Bible every day. And we left that day and I told my wife, I said, that's it. I said, starting tomorrow, I'm gonna read my Bible every day. So the next morning I got up before anybody in the house. I did go to the kitchen, turn the coffee pot on. And uh, I went to a little area in the house that, uh, you know, in the study, shut the door, opened up the Bible. And before I even started reading the Bible, I started praying. And I just asked him to guide me along this journey that me and him were fixing to take, the growth that I was fixing to experience by learning more about him. And I began to read that day. Since that day, it's almost hard to even put into words the joy and the transformation that my life has taken. I love my wife more than I did then, way more. And I loved her then. I love my kids way more. I have more patience with them. God speaks to me more. I have a relationship with Him where I'm not in constant prayer during the day, but I pray to Him all the time now. And then I hear His guidance on what I need to do. My relationship with my family members is ridiculous. I mean, it's just, it's the benefits are just exponential. The joy that I've gotten out of just simply reading the Bible every morning can't be equated. It's just, I'm not a mediocre Christian anymore. I'm, I just feel like me and God are like best friends now. I mean, yeah, you can applaud that. That's great. I mean, wouldn't that be great if, if at the beginning of 2015, one year from now, all of us could say, hey, I, I'm not a mediocre Christian. I'm a friend of God now. Wouldn't it be great if people wrote that on our tombstone one day? Here lies John Schmidt. He was a friend of God. I would love that if people said that about me and about you. That's what God would love for all of us too. He wants a relationship with us. He's willing to meet with us. The only question is, are we willing to meet with him? And that brings us to point three. If you and I want to experience a life-changing relationship with God this year, then we need to be intentional about reading the Bible and engaging what God reveals to us. Look, I, I just have gone to great lengths with these big, long points and everything to make sure that everybody understands something here. I don't want you to read the Bible just, say, just so you can say you read it. I want you and me to read the Bible so we can have a relationship with God. God will make himself known to us. But you and I have to be intentional about that. If you and I are going to do anything in our lives involving another person or growing a relationship, it's going to take intentional time. And it's no exception with the Lord. So I'm going to share with you six easy steps, six simple steps, but they're important if you and I want to grow in our relationship with God. The first one is this. You and I need to plan. If I'm going to be intentional and engage God in his word, then I need to plan. I need to have a reading plan. Paul said, I run with purpose in every step. The Bible isn't just a hodgepodge of scriptures strung together in no particular order. Some parts of the Bible are history. Some parts are poetry. Some parts are prophecy. The authors of the Bible took great care in crafting what God inspired them to write. And we need to take great care in making sure we understand what it says. Paul wrote about this to Timothy. He said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who doesn't need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. So if I'm going to have a, I need a plan to read. Now, before you turn your outline over, I'd ask you to just take your outline and spread it out flat like this, right across the bottom of the page. If you draw an arrow or just follow my finger to the resources on the back side, what would be the back page of your outline, 
the end of our Connect Group discussion questions, there's some resources there. If you and I want to get a good Bible plan, the best place I can tell you to go is Bible.com. Bible.com. version is there. It's an absolutely free Bible app available on your cell phone, available on your laptop, available on your tablet, anytime. It's available. It's, a, it's in multiple languages, dozens of translations, and there are dozens of Bible reading plans there. One-month plans, one-week plans, one-year plans. Old Testament plans, New Testament plans, plans for women, plans for men, plans for children, plans for students. We live in a time when there's no excuse for not being able to read the Bible. If you sign up on the, for this plan, you can sign up for notifications. Your cell phone, mine has an alarm that goes off at 6 a.m. John, time to read your Bible. Yes, dear. Okay, in, you know, I'm telling the phone, or the phone's telling me it's time to get up and read. It'll email me the passage for the day if I want it. And after I finish and check off that I've read it, it'll say, good job. There is nothing easier. It's never been easier to read the Bible. If you don't like technology, though, inside your bulletin, we've also given you a reading plan. It's called the 5 by 5 by 5 reading plan put out by Discipleship Journal. Five readings a week, so one a day, about five or ten minutes a day. That's, five, that's two of the fives in the five-by-five five thing there. And in this plan, if you just keep track of it, what will happen is during the course of a year and do this five days a week, you'll read through the, the entire New Testament in a year. You can do this. You really can. So can I. And it will change your life if you and I are willing to spend time getting to know God and what his priorities are in his word. Because in his word, we're going to discover... Well, his, what he thinks about things, his commands. We're going to discover his desires. We're going to discover how he spoke to people in the past about his concerns for us. And it's amazing if you and I will spend time with him. We have dozens of other plans, by the way. They're available at the information desk if you just want hard copies of those things. So and it, if all else, if you don't, just don't know where to turn, give us a call. We would love to spend some time with you and talk with you about how to get involved and get active in a reading plan. So if I'm going to be serious and intentional, I need to have a reading plan. Secondly, if you flip your outline over, you and I need to schedule time to meet with God in a place that's free of distractions. If we don't schedule time to meet with God, it probably won't happen. My youngest son, Graham, is in his senior year of high school. He's currently in the midst of his last season of basketball. He's our third son. We've been to basketball games for all of them. All of his games are on my calendar. I scheduled them because... If I don't go to those games this year, if I miss these games this year, I'll never have a chance to see them again. And you go, well, John, that's smart. Well, wouldn't it be great if I would schedule time with God and he gives me that insight, that wisdom, if I met with him every day? I mean, there are insights that are so timely. I'm going to need this before the big, the big blow up at my office. I'm going to need this before the new neighbors move in. I'm going to need this before my kids become teenagers and out of control, or whatever it is, okay? I'm going to need this. And so if I schedule time with God, he's willing to meet with me and give me the insights and the wisdom and the warnings I need. Here's what Jesus did, Mark 1.35. Jesus awoke, a long, Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out into, alone into the wilderness to pray. He went and got directions from his heavenly Father early in the morning alone. Jesus awoke long before daybreak and went out alone in the wilderness to pray. You get the idea that was before 10. I mean, you really do. See, the problem is if we wait till later in the day, for most of us, if we don't take advantage of the time when everything's still and quiet in our homes, 
by 8, 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, all the day's activities, all the emails and the phone calls that come rushing at you like a pack of wild dogs. And now I'm fully stressed out and I got no time to listen. But if I could just take a few minutes in the morning and say, God, would you speak to me just like Dudley was talking about in the video? My goodness, what kind of wisdom and peace and joy we'd have for the whole day. Isaiah 50, we find these words. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom so that I know how to comfort the weary. I mean, these were, this is what Isaiah was saying about his relationship with, the, with God, but it certainly applies to us. Morning by morning, he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. I've not hit the snooze alarm and rolled back to sleep. And if you and I will schedule time, what am I talking about here? If you get up at 6.30, setting the alarm for 6.15 and saying, God, before I get into my normal routine, routine, I'm going to spend 15 minutes with you. I got a Bible reading plan, and just like Dudley was doing, Lord, show me how to speak to me on this journey today. And he will. God wants what's better for you than you want what's better for you. God has better designs for my life than I could have ever dreamed of. He's got buckets full of peace and direction and joy. I'm the one coming to him with worry and fear and doubt. So we need to have a reading plan and we need to schedule time. C, you and I need to apply what we read. This isn't just some, this is not an academic exercise where I check the box, okay, I read it, move on with my life. I need to consider it and apply it. James wrote about this. He said, so get rid of all the filth and evil that are in your, that's in your lives and humbly accept the word of God that he's planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't pray, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You'll see yourself. But then when you walk away, and forget, you'll forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, well, then God will bless you for doing it. This word is like a mirror. It'll show us things. They need to change. It'll show us things we need to do more of. And if you and I will spend time in God's word, it will enlighten us and transform us by changing the way we think. I can't tell you how many times I've been reading something, and again, it'd just be, it wouldn't matter where I am. I'm reading something for the day, and it'd be just like, my goodness, this is exactly applying to me. And sometimes it's like, John, you need to apologize. Admit you're wrong. So then I'll go and start reading somewhere else in Scripture. No, no. <laughs> I'm telling you, no, that's when I need to apply and say, okay, Lord, give me the strength to do it. Help me. And he does. I need to have a reading plan. I need to schedule time with God. I need to apply what I read. D, you and I need to journal. Write it down. That's what it means. You and I need to journal what God reveals to us. Journaling helps us meditate. That's why Scripture wants, tells us we need to meditate on God's Word, and journaling helps us do that. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. God wants us to be like a, like a tree by the river. It doesn't depend on our circumstances. A tree by a river, it doesn't need rain. It's got plenty of water. So a drought year, rainy year, doesn't matter. Always yields its fruit. God wants us to have lives like that weighed down with love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and mercy and self-control. God wants our lives to evidence these things, and that's all possible through him. 
but we have to spend time in his word. And journaling helps us meditate because if I sit down and I take out a journal, and what do I mean by a journal? Could be a little spiral bound thing you get at Walmart for a buck. Could be one that's a little bit fancier with a rubber band where you write in it. It's even got a ribbon to mark your page and then you carry it with you. Could be a leather bound journal. I've tried them all. Doesn't matter what's on the outside. You know what matters? What you write down on the inside. This last year, I even since I was using the version uh, devotional guide, I did all my journaling on the notes feature on my phone. And that way during the day I could scroll back through and meditate, review again. What did I read this morning? You'd be, you'd be amazed at how helpful that is at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Scroll through and go, oh yeah, that's what I read this morning. Mm, need to work on that. I'm not the first person to point out that if we would meditate more, we could probably medicate less. And a lot of us are trying to find peace through a pill. And the truth is we need to find peace and joy through God's word. Journaling also helps us remember. Ezekiel was told by the Lord, write down all these specifications and decrees as they watch so they'll be sure to remember and follow them. God had given Ezekiel specifications for a future temple. And he said, hey, write these things down so that the people, the leaders of Israel will know these things and remember them. You and I can remember things much better if we write them down. I mean, I hope I'm not the only person to acknowledge that my memory has leaks in it. An old farmer once told me a dull pencil is better than a sharp memory any day. And it's true. If you and I will write things down, and later on we can remember them. For this message today, to give you an example, that reference that I had from Isaiah 50, verses 4 and 5, about morning by morning, how God opens my mind. Well, that was one of the verses I read in my Bible reading plan last year. I marked it down in the memos there. And when I got to preparing this message, I said, I read that last year. And I had marked it then, looked it up, and put it in the message for you today. And if you write it down, you won't be going, oh, I read something. Where was that passage? Oh, man, ah, can't remember it. It's in the Bible. But if you don't write it down, well, these things are important to us. I mean, how many times do we go to the grocery store and we forget to write the list down, then we drive home, we go, I forgot the eggs. How could you forget the eggs? You were making an omelet. Uh, I don't know. Got talking to somebody in the fruit section and then the Fritos were on sale. You know, the whole thing happens where we get distracted and that's the way life is. If we don't write it down, we won't remember. I need to have a plan. I need to schedule time with God. I need to apply what I read. I need to write it down, journal it so I can remember it and meditate on it. And then I need to pray about what God has shown me. I mean, I hope you caught that in the video. Dudley would pray before he started and then pray after he finished. What God wants is he wants a conversation with us. He does. If this little diagram here illustrates relationship with God, well, God speaks to us through the Bible. That's how he speaks to us. It's his word. And so if we meet with him each and every day, he'll engage us with the Bible and he'll speak to us. He wants us to communicate back to him through prayer. So God speaks to me through his word. And then if I will spend a few minutes each day writing some things down and then taking my journal and saying, God, this is what you showed to me today. Would you help me do this? God, you're challenging my dreams. God, you're pushing me out of my comfort zones. God, if I have to apologize, I don't know if I can do that. God, I have to ask forgiveness from someone. That's even harder. And if we talk to God like this, now it becomes a loop. Now it becomes 
a relationship. And that's what God wants. Any meaningful relationship, there's conversation going both ways. And so if you and I will spend time in God's word and listen to him and then talk about it, oh my goodness, it'll transform our whole prayer life. Because often our prayer life is just like, God, feed all the hungry people in the world and help Aunt Gladys with her gallstones. Amen. God, help me to get to work on time because I overslept. Amen. And it's all me, me, and me. But you get into this and you start out saying, hey, God, this is what I heard you say. Well, that changes everything. I mean, if you want a meaningful conversation with your spouse, listen to them first. Meaningful conversation with your kids, listen to them first. You'll be amazed at how it changes the conversation. Because most of us just talk about what's important to us without ever listening. Sadly, it happens in our relationship with God, too. I need a reading plan. I need to schedule time with God. I need to apply what I read. I need to journal what I read. I need to pray about what I read. Oh, by the way, Philippians 4 don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And his peace will guard your hearts and minds. You live in Christ Jesus. I mean, listen to all these promises. If you and I will spend time with God in reading his word and then talking back to him in prayer, I'll experience joy, a better life than I ever dreamed of. I'll experience direction and wisdom, and I'll experience peace. Do I want a better life in 2014? Well, this is how you do it. Or I can just keep doing what I did in 2013, which stunk. Finally, you and I need to find a friend who will hold us accountable. Anytime I want real life change in my life, whether it's exercise or anything else, uh, balancing my checkbook, other things, having a good relationship with my kids, it helps. If I'm going to make a change, it helps to have a friend who hold me accountable to ask me, hey, did you schedule a date with your wife? Hey, did you spend time with your family? Hey, did you spend time reading the Word? Hey, did you exercise? Whatever it is, accountability always helps us reach a goal. It's just a human condition. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Proverbs 27, 17 and Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. You know what God wants us to do? He wants us to spur one another on. That just means from time to time, we all need a kick in the pants. And I hope this morning has been a friendly, kind kick in the pants. I talked to one person after the last service, and they said, yeah, I've heard all this before. And I go, well, are you doing it? And they went, no. I said, well, turn around. Let me kick you in the pants. <laughs> Look, I mean, we can talk about this. Some of us have grown up, just like Dudley said, he'd been in church since he was a kid. You can know about the Bible. Yeah, I got six Bibles on the shelf. Doesn't matter. Are you reading it or not? Do you want a relationship with God or not? Do you want a better life or not? And that's the challenge for us today. Life change challenge number one. In 2014, I will spend 15 to 30 minutes each day this year building my relationship with God by reading my Bible, journaling, and praying. Are you in or not? Pray with me, please. Lord, I just want to deliver a challenge this morning. We can talk about you and we can sing praises to you all we want. But Lord, my greatest desire for everyone at Centerpoint Fellowship Church is for all of us to read the Bible on our own and to know you. You are God and we are not. You know the right way to think about everything. And we know very little about very few things. You have the power to change lives. And Lord, we feel so powerless even to control our own lives. And so God, we need you. If it is your desire to know God this year, 
And right now, say, God, would you give me a hunger for your word, and would you give me the discipline and the strength to follow through on a commitment to read my Bible? I want to know you. I want a better life than I've ever dreamed of. I want peace and I want joy. I want to know you because you're the source of all those things. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.